I think we were a good combo because we had good sets of films that hardly overlapped at all. Hello and welcome to List Envy. This is the podcast where I work with a special guest and each week we build a top five list on a topic that they choose. Um, I always wonder about that starting phrase because I, I sort of I, I noodle around it every time and the way I've been putting it now makes it seem like I work with the same guest every week doesn't it but semantics anyway look so we're not here to argue with semantics we're here to talk about journalism films and uh, to do that I am going to bring on a guest this week uh, who is called Karen Robinson now Karen uh, presents the primarily 2020 podcast which is all about the Democratic Party primary thing you know the thing where they're going to elect the person who they're going to uh, run for president in the America that thing uh, and she's tracking that whole story at the moment uh, from the Iowa caucuses all the way through to other things that's that don't make any sense to anyone else um but it's really, it's uh yeah it's 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 gonna be an interesting time in it anyway we'll talk about more about that later but uh we've got a job to do and we've got to talk journalism films so uh I begin by asking Karen why exactly given that um she discusses politics on a sort of regular basis why specifically films about journalism well, you know, it's a funny thing because I love, obviously, because my politics is my my podcast is politics themed, and I'm I'm kind of a political activist um, in my life. It's kind of my hobby. Um, you would think I might kind of gravitate more towards political films, but it, it's really films about journalism that I think just make the best story about kind of engagement with public life. I had this realization a couple of years ago when. Um, friend of mine invited me to go out and see The Post with her, which is uh, a film that may or may not appear on my list. You <laughs> wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't sure I wanted to just because I thought, oh, well, you know, it's that I know that type of film really, really well. And I, I really like it. But, you know, there's films, there's a lot of films kind of just like it. I went to the went to the cinema and just sat there going, I am in heaven. This is <laughs> this is the thing I like. And I sort of came out realizing I can take all the films about journalism you want to throw at me because it just works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of a detective story set up in that, you know, the journalist is there to find truth. And there are so many interesting ways that you can sort of overcome the obstacle of people not telling you the truth or not getting to 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 the truth of what's happening. So it's really interesting and it allows for the characters to be. Whereas in political films, which I also love, they can tend to be a little bit Aaron Sorkin sometimes, if you see <laughs> what I mean. You know, the music yeah. swells and we're all very impressed with these truly, either truly admirable people or it's really cynical. Yes. But a journalism film, it can kind of, the people can be doing the right thing and they can be conflicted people, you know, because it's mm-hmm. about truth. So, you know, you can have a character who's, you know, not the most heroic person in the world, but can have a, a heroic motivation and and get to that. So I, I kind of like it. It makes me feel good. It makes me mm. believe that there are people out there in the world trying to, you know, make the world a little bit better. So uh, in, in these days when uh, sometimes you turn on the news and it doesn't feel that way, journal- journalism films are a way of, of, of believing that there are people out there doing good work and uh i like that it's a good yeah it's it's a it's a good hope to cling to uh i support it yes um <laughs> I, I hope it's true if it's all fiction then let me keep the fiction <laughs> what is your what's your number one pick then so my number one pick um is spotlight 
Mm-hmm. Um, Spotlight, a film, I think the Best Picture winner from 2015. Um, it, it's, I picked it as my number one because it's very, almost literally close to home for me. It's um, the story of a, a crusaded team of, crusading team of journalists from the Boston Globe. I grew up not too far outside Boston, so I kind of was very much at home in the film. I, I recognized not only the places, but also the sort of the people that I grew up with, the culture that I grew up with in the film. And it's um, it's the story of, I think most people, many, many people will know because it, it was a very kind of successful film critically at the time. But it's the story of uh, a group of journalists who were investigating the sexual abuse crisis in, in the Catholic Church. And what's wonderful about it as a as a storytelling approach is that it's not like the kind of big revelation of one bad act by an individual. These are people who are discovering that the people that they have been, you know, the, the priests in the church, and most of the journalists are Catholic themselves, that the priests in the church that they've sent their own kids to and that they've grown up in, that the whole system is is broken and rotten. And so they have to come to terms with their feelings about that at the same time they're trying to get to the truth of what happened. And so it's a really kind of very emotional, heartfelt film, um, which just is beautifully told. And there's a lot of um, kind of interesting sub-dynamics going on with it. So I just love that film. And and one of the things I love about it in particular is it's the story of the journalist, but there's also a story about the editing because the um, the editor who comes in, who takes it over, who, who encourages him to go and pursue this story um, is a guy called Marty Barron, who's now running the Washington Post. But at the time he was a new editor into the in the Boston Globe. And you can see there's this culture clash with him where he's kind of a newcomer. He's he's Jewish and most of the people in question are, are Catholic. And so there's this tension of, you know, who are you to come in here and tell us to look at our church in this way? But you know, so you've got the, the journalists themselves have to kind of find their way to that and go along with it. And Marty Barron's also a personal kind of hero of mine. He's um he was fantastic at the Globe, but he's really done great work at the Washington Post too. He's still alive and working, and I kind of love that. You know, this is a story about people who are still in their peaks of their careers. So, I mean, all the people that the journalists who are in there are still working journalists and still out there finding stories. So um, it's it's a great film, fantastic pick, um, and a great cast and 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 uh, wonderful performances as well. Absolutely, I mean, Mark Ruffalo is lovely. Rachel McAdams, um, you know, you've got even Michael Keaton who kind of plays the the person who leads the team um, is just beautiful. And Michael Keaton, who um, has been kind of, is a wonderful comic actor, but is also really in in his years, I think is finding, his finding his way to these kind of more dramatic roles that where he still has that comedy beat that works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's so much going on in this movie. I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lee Shriver, John, I always like watching John Slattery. He's got a, oh, uh, yeah. a you know, it's just a, a thing about him that's, uh, yeah, very, very good. Oh, Oh, that's a good pick. Um, <laughs> so my number one is Network, mm. um, which I was introduced to at university and um, we saw a few. It's it's a film that's almost a collection of uh, bombastic speeches that are kind of tied together into a narrative. Um, <laughs> and we we watched a couple of those. I mean, obviously, you've got um, so so. For anyone who's who's not familiar, this is the story of a. Uh, it, it starts off with the story of a TV presenter, um, a news anchor who um, goes a bit mad and decides that he's going to uh, kill himself live on air. And he 
uh, utters forth this great sort of speech about um, uh, about the decaying of the world and how everybody should run to their windows and, and open the windows and scream, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, and from that you get, uh, you know, this, this wonderful scene of all these people thrown over their, uh, open their windows. Um, the network seizes on this and, and he becomes the mad prophet of the airwaves. Uh, and there's... Um, he decides towards the end that... Uh, spo- spoilers, I guess. That he wants to... Um, not do this anymore and there is a, another wonderful speech by the network head who um tackles him in a, in a in a boardroom it's just the two of them in this massive long table boardroom and says you have meddled with the prime forces of nature mr beale <laughs> it's just wonderful i love it so much um re- really 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 great performances uh faye dunaway william holden uh, peter finch um it's the uh, same director as Dog Day Afternoon um, and and Twelve Angry Men. Like it was, it, you know, nineteen seventy seven. Ma- I think massively. Um, f- uh, what's the word? I'm at? Prescient, I think, uh, for its time and um, still as a piece of satire. It's kind of terrifying how applicable it still is. Uh, you know, there's there's, <laughs> there's story beats that I haven't revealed uh, and won't. Um, but. You know, it's still not a million miles away and this is over 40 years old. So I have to make a confession because I thought this film would probably come up. Yeah. And um, I feel like I've seen it. The truth is I've actually never sat down and watched the whole thing. Ah, okay. Um, And and part of the reason why is because I kind of feel like I know it. (laughs) In the sense yeah. that I've, you know, I had an uh, an ex boyfriend who was a media, um, you know, he was he worked in film and TV and studied it at university and so forth, and um, I've I've kind of been culturally surrounded by people who are quoting it back to me all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and because I feel like for people in a certain world, it's really part of the zeitgeist that that people network is about a criticism of the media that feels very as you say very prescient right it's about this kind of sensation versus versus integrity and like how we use people up you know because and commercialization of of information as well commercialization of journalism yeah absolutely and this clearly mentally unwell person who's just exploited for the purposes of of the network um, yeah, it all feels very now. <laughs> yeah, no, th- you know, that's definitely not something that happens every day on reality television. Oh, no, Casey it's, Hopkins you know. definitely mm. would have a career if the world weren't broken, for sure. Yeah, well, you see, I, I mean, she's not mentally ill, she's just a garbage person. I was thinking of, um, you know, the, the, the reality shows like, uh, I mean, they, they're not, I don't think they're as bad for it now, but shows like Britain's Got Talent, yeah. where they would wheel on um, people who were, you know, bewildered or or just generally not you know not playing at at their best yeah um for for audiences to to jeer and laugh at and and you know that exploitative tv is something that we we were still doing or still are doing 40 years on yeah absolutely so i think yeah and i mean i need to sit down and actually watch the film <laughs> yeah it's worth um, it <laughs> for sure and it, it's and that's an absolute classic i mean everyone everyone says it's an absolute classic um and the themes are definitely still relevant but it's it's kind of very network that i feel like i don't need to see network because i feel yes. like i know enough about network do you know what i mean like yeah no absolutely you've osmosed it it's fine yeah I've, I've just absorbed it it's fine i don't have to i don't have to stand and think about it i know everything i need to know. it's fine exactly um what's your number two um, so my number two is um, I had I wanted at this point in the list to put in 
a um, there are a couple of great journalism films that are also romantic comedies. Mm. And I was back and forth between which of the two I wanted to put on my list. Um, so I, I, I considered Broadcast News, which is brilliant romantic comedy with Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks. And um, but I eventually uh, decided that His Gal Friday has to has to take the cake. Ah. His Gal Friday is a 1940s um, black and white film starring Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. And if you have ever if you have in your mind the stereotype of a fast talking gal who's, you know, who storms into the newsroom and gives big speeches, talks really fast and and then goes and types and then goes off then Rosalind Russell is who you're basing that on she's the she's the archetype of this and it's a great film about um so the plot if you haven't seen it is basically that um she is so she and the Cary Grant character are editor and journalist but they're also Mm. they have been husband and wife and they've been separated she comes in marching in to get a divorce on a day when there's a big story breaking and he like tries to trick her into going and reporting the story instead of getting the divorce. Oh, wow. These people are clearly having sex through journalism. It's hilarious. <laughs> like It's obviously <laughs> foreplay. And she's got this other person that she supposedly wants to marry, but it's clear she's totally uninterested in the fiancé. He's just, you know, a way of getting getting back at Cary Grant. And, um, you know, and Cary Grant, you know, knows, he sees in her that she wants to go out and be this journalist. And they've just got this tension between them that she's trying to get away from it, but she doesn't really want to leave. And so, and so that's going on as a romantic comedy background. In the meantime, they're reporting this breaking story um that she has an in on about someone who's committed a crime and they they wind up the kind of climax of the film is they wind up with the the murderer there and she kind of gets a confession out of him for the for the reporting but also like kind of gets behind gets under his skin and helps people see that he's you know really mentally ill and there's something else going on with him so there's a lot going on in this film and it's such an like I love it partly because it does create this archetype, this kind of image of a successful barnstorming professional journalist woman who um, everybody else then, you know, like hundreds of other films then then took that idea and ran with it. And, and I'm so glad we have that. Have you ever seen um, Paget Brewster? Paget Brewster, no. Yeah, she's, a, she's an actor who is... Um, she did a little bit on the uh, when the show community moved to Yahoo. She was she was on it for a bit, but she's um, I've seen her uh, or I've heard her perform a lot in a, a stage show that she used to do, uh, which was turned into a podcast. And she is the twenty first century equivalent of that fast talking woman. Um, she plays that that kind of character yeah. uh, in in that throwback sense to a T. And there's there's very few people who can really pull it off in a in a convincing way and in a thoroughly sort of charming way. And uh, uh, yeah, it's so th- th- just hearing you talk about um, about <laughs> Rosalind Russell, it just it brought that to mind. Um, yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I've heard of the film and I think it crops up in a, a lot of lists of uh, these kinds of, of films as being a classic. Um, and it's not one it's not one I'm familiar with. Yeah, go check it out. It's an yeah. absolute laugh. If you love old films at all and you know, go go check it out. It is just a good laugh and Cary Grant is always great to watch on screen and the crackling tension between him and Rosalind Russell and also kind of some journalism is happening too. <laughs> it all works. <laughs> Beautiful. I will I think I will give that a go. Um okay, so my next one is um 
those who have listened to the podcast uh, will have to um, bear with me, uh, but it's kind of legally my obligation uh, to every two or three episodes of this podcast mention the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, and so right. that's what I'm going to do here. Um, it is not necessarily a great journalism story, but it is a great film and a great story uh, that begins absolutely at the core of uh, with with the core of journalism. Um, Steve Larson, who, who wrote the books and and obviously uh, uh, on which the book uh, the films are based, was a journal uh, journo and um, uh, a, a good and successful one. Um, and that is the the focus of of the sort of. Um, one of the two main characters, Daniel Craig's character, um, he is, he is a journalist, uh, and he gets, um, embroiled, embroiled? That's not a word. Um, <laughs> embroiled? Yeah, he, yeah, embroiled, yeah. He gets embroiled in this, in this, uh, scandal with, uh, the, um, owner of a, a, a very large company or the, the, the sort of patriarchal head of, of this, this massive Swedish conglomerate company investigating uh something that happened in uh in this this guy's past uh and as a result he uncovers um something that is still happening now uh with the aid of Rooney Mara um who is the titular girl with the with the titular dragon tattoo um and it is a it is at its heart that you know in the original books there is lots of investigations and lots of looking at old photos and um digging up papers and he you know he he sits in a in a cabin and just writes and and figures out and does flowcharts and diagrams and like it's all it's it's you know it's it's proper research um and and he brings Runumara's character on as a as a research assistant um and it's um i i i thoroughly love the story i've talked a lot about it on a, lots of podcast <laughs> episodes but the david fincher uh film i think um scores over the the swedish one for me um and i i love fincher and i really um it's 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 a good film but i think it's a fantastic story well i it's interesting because i've seen i haven't seen the the hollywood version i haven't seen that i've seen the swedish version of the film um and i've read the books and i agree with you, it's a cracking story i mean there's so much in that one of the things i find really interesting about it looking back on it now is it was the first time i remember a popular culture um piece of work arguing that this is going to sound really dark, but arguing that white supremacy and neo-Nazism is actually present and alive in a subculture in kind of modern day powerful power politics. And that now feels much more in an American sense. You know, we've started to realize that there is there is this movement underpinning some of the darker parts of the kind of mainstream. Right. Mm. And, and actually, the girl with the dragon tattoo is the first um, recent piece of work I, I saw that kind of got there that said, you know, actually, if you dig beneath, you know, the kind of the, the no, no spoilers, but what you what you discover is that there is this um, there is this connection with kind of a neo-Nazi movement in uh, in in Sweden, which uh, which they expose and uncover as part of the, the very, very dark doings in the film. So it's um, it, it's fascinating. There's a lot going on there. It's Nazis all the way down. It's Nazis. It's just, you know, just more Nazis. Keep digging more Nazis. <laughs> oh, uh, good. Okay, what's what's your next pick? Okay, so my next pick is another film. I'll be curious if you've ever seen it or not. Um, it's a black and white film, but a, but a modern one called Good Night and Good Luck. Ah, I, I know of it and I know a fair amount uh, of it, but I've not actually watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's a cracker of a film. Yeah. Um, so it's black and white. It tells the story of um, uncovering sort of 
during uh, the McCarthy era. Um, it tells the story of kind of the first time that that McCarthy was was taken on by uh, by journalism, and it's actually directed by um, George Clooney himself. <laughs> um, although that's not why I love it, but I, I, I'll take it. Oh yeah. And um, so it's it's just a, a cracker of a film. Um, they just chose to film it in black and white, um, even though they didn't have to, because I think they were trying to evoke that feeling. So it has a very old Hollywood feeling to it. Mm. Um, it's the story of of the kind of legendary broadcast journalist Edward R. Murrow, who um, made his name, I think, during the during the war, broadcasting from from the London when it was in the Blitz, etc. And who, by the time the film takes place, is a kind of a, a legend of broadcasting, a legend of journalism, and has this um, has this program, um, a news program where he's given kind of edit full editorial control. But at that time, nobody is nobody is comfortable. So Joseph McCarthy, who was running a, um, a a kind of anti anti communist smear campaign, effectively, and he was kind of just standing up in the U.S. Senate and just talking nonsense. I mean, just you know, accusing people right, left, and center of being communists, um, claiming to have lists in his pocket of people who were communists, and everybody was running scared because they're they'd be fired and they're they'd lose their jobs and they'd lose their livelihoods and so forth. Um, and and he was just getting away with it because. Uh, Anybody who was anybody who challenged him would be themselves accused of being a communist. So Edward, Edward R. Murrow decided to basically take McCarthy on head on, and uh, this is the story of how that that episode of television came together. That I think it was seri- a series of, of TV TV investigations, um, and how you know there were there were personal repercussions for the people doing it. You know they had um, you know they, they they were attacked, they were criticized for um, for this. They were kind of personally maligned, but 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 kind of saw it through anyway, even knowing what was coming. So I think it's just a really interesting and very well crafted, beautifully told story about um, kind of facing facing the the onslaught that you know is coming your way and standing up for um truth in the face of bullshit basically i like that um it i don't know why but it's always reminded me of um an odd film um that it's an odd story and it's the story of a an American. You, you'll i'm sure you'll you'll know who this is that I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of um it's a difficult one to google because it's so vague but it's um it's the story of an American uh, ch- uh, game show host who believed, and it was possible th- that he worked for the CIA. <laughs> oh yes, um, yes, I know the one you mean. Um, yes, and it was just yeah, he was he was kind of loopy, and he was yeah, he hosted like the Newlywed Game, or, or he was a he was a pro- TV producer who created these shows, the Newlywed mm-hmm. Game, and um, all sorts of all sorts of the Gong Show. Mm-hmm. And and then claimed later to be sort of uh, claimed later to be working for the CIA. He had all sorts of crazy made up things that um, some of it may have been true. We're we're still not sure. Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the film either, but I, I do know the one you mean. <laughs> Chuck Harris would appear to be the uh, would appear to be the person, and it's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. There we That's go. We it. got that together. There we go. <laughs> um, and I don't know why, but every time I heard about Good Night and Good Luck. Um, there was I, I always had something in the back of my mind that kind of reminded me of this, but it's it's I think it's a it's an entirely different story. But I, I can't I can't tell you why, but for <laughs> some reason, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I have this indelible link between the yeah, two. Yeah, well, it's it's funny actually that you say that because although I think they are very very different films in a lot of ways, I think they're kind of they're almost they're they're a match set for each other, right? Mm. Because 
<clears throat> the Chuck Harris of 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 Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is almost kind of like the kind of deranged, loopy psyche that that you know that that um, that Joseph McCarthy would have had, right? <laughs> he was just making stuff up and and <laughs> seeing how far he could push it, right? They were both doing that, and Edward R. Murrow is on the other side trying to go, no, there exists such a thing as truth. Let's try and get mm. to it. Um, so yeah, then I think they came out around the same time, so they probably were kind of yeah. We can see them as bookends. I will. I will have to. Uh, yeah, I'll have to get a bill i've got a lot of films to watch um <laughs> have you seen frost nixon do you know what so frost nixon i have in in front of me on my list i have number three on my list frost nixon or good night and good luck <laughs> ah lovely because okay. i was trying to choose between the two of them mm. um i went with good night and good luck but i kind of in my head they were both sort of films about confronting a powerful man yeah through the broadcast medium and trying to like nail them down frost mm-hmm. nixon's also a brilliant film yeah um it's uh 2008 michael sheen frank langella uh a ron howard uh joint um and i you know i watched this i think short shortly after it came out uh and and um was was enamored of it i mean i, I love michael sheen's performance i grew up uh being a fan of the kind of things that um frost put out um not necessarily i mean so when when I when I were a lad, um, he was the serious man doing serious Sunday morning boring TV things, um, uh, which was obviously post the the whole Nixon era. Um, but as I got older, um, Frost became one of the people that brought um, the comedy icons of of an age uh, to our screens because he he brought um, John Cleese and. Um, uh, Graham Chapman and uh, some of the uh, other kind of Python people, um, uh, Palin and, and and a few others, um, and was one of the first producers who who put those people on TV because he had he had a few of those shows and he was constantly derided and and, and a figure of um, a figure of ridicule, and so to see him because he took himself very seriously, um, and so to I think that's what enabled him to be the journalist that he was, I guess, uh, and to be able to do the Nixon thing because he had this sort of straight man persona, but he he I think he really did take himself seriously, and and uh, he he was able to make this transition from um, satirical and and sometimes absurd sketch um, TV programs uh, like the Frost Report over to this fundamentally. Um, impactful piece of of journalism and um they don't touch on the sillier aspects of of frost's life uh, i don't think uh, from what i remember in the film but it's uh, it was such an interesting curveball and and a great performance by by both um by both actors and um yeah just a a, a superb film cracking film i love it i think one of the things about the story of 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 that 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 series of interviews that how it came to be behind the scenes is that the nixon people because they knew that frost had been mostly doing entertainment interviews and had been you know doing a lot done a lot of work in comedy they thought he would be a softball interview so that's why they agreed to let nixon do it they were trying to kind of recoup his reputation after after leaving the white house um and they thought oh yeah this will be a nice softball um you know we can he, he's going to ask kind of more personal quest like more personality questions so nixon can can humanize himself a little bit and um and 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 it didn't turn out that way it didn't go that way <laughs> no no didn't quite no <laughs> uh i would have liked to have seen the play i think mm. 
I bet it's great. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't see many plays, but I think that that would have been one I would have uh, very much enjoyed. Well, it's a good format for theater, isn't it? Because it's really one on one. You know, it's 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 two people in a closed room and everything that's important happens between them without special effects. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. Uh, So what is what's next on your list then? Um, So now I had to go with an absolute classic of the genre. Um, I felt I couldn't possibly leave all the president's men off my list. Ah. Um, I, I, you know, you kind of, in my head, when I picture the kind of film I'm talking about, all the president's men is kind of, Mm-hmm. that's the that's the that's the baseline right the <laughs> that's, yeah that's the mold um a brilliant film starring dustin dustin hoffman and robert redford as uh, woodward and bernstein the the pair who investigated the the watergate break-ins which eventually led to the resignation of the very president nixon that we've just been talking about mm. um nixon gives great great journalism films <laughs> because <clears throat> Frost Nixon, um, also The Post, which I, I mentioned before, we might come mm. on to again. Um, so a cracking film. Um, and really, I love it because it shouldn't work. It, it it should be terrible because most of what they do is fundamentally boring. <laughs> most of what they do is is like they don't they don't have big visual moments or at least not a lot of big visual moments. There are a lot of kind of making phone calls and um you know going and re-interviewing the same people over and over again to try and find small changes in their story that they can then build a story out of well hang on last time he said this but this time he said that why did he change it what's different okay what do we do with that or they would say you know Oh, that's interesting. Or they would they would kind of follow paper trails of receipts of so and so spent you know spent this amount of money at a local stationery store. What were they buying there? What happened? And so it's all very kind of old school, hard shoe leather detective work that they're doing. And then they it builds to these big moments. And because it's all kind of earned with this hard work, when when they do get a breakthrough, you feel like yes, you're right there with them and getting it. Um, so it's it's a it's a very well done story, and I think I hadn't appreciated it until fairly recently. I just think of it as you know a film about the Nixon um, uh, impeachment or and resignation. I didn't realize that when they made it, n- the outcome wasn't known, <laughs> right? Mm. Be- because it was it it was quite contemporary to the storytelling that they when they were filming it, they still didn't know if Nixon would resign or not or what would happen. <clears throat> they were sort of doing it in real time. It was it was a film of journalism that was still breaking, um, which is why the ending of it is, you know, it, they, they have to do the kind of text over, as I remember, of, mm. of, you know, this is this is what happened next, because when they were filming, they still didn't know for sure. So a cracking film. And uh, I must confess another that i have not seen i my my classic cinema is um uh it's uh, yeah it's 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 lacking let's say that well there you go so you you've got you've got a long to do list here i certainly have i certainly have and i think we've also got a nice sort of um nixon themed playlist uh going which is which is good yeah there are um, actually a lot of other films about nixon which are also great like you could yeah. definitely put put together a, a great weekend film festival of just yeah. nixon films Absolutely. and they would be in m- multiple different genres too like there are nixon comedies there are there's dick which is a brilliant nixon film yeah i was just seeing that um yes uh this is uh this, this is an option um <laughs> I, I don't know if i could survive 48 hours of jowls um, <laughs> yeah um Okay, so I'm I'm going to take a, a a slightly different tack, I think, um, and I'm going to go for almost famous. Ah, 
2000, I believe. Um, Billy Crudup, who is also in uh, one of the other films uh, that is on my list. Uh, And in fact, he turns up in The Post, I think. Or is it? No, Spotlight, I believe he's in. Um, Much, much older. Uh, This is a young Billy Crudup. and uh, it's, he's a he's a young journalist. He's only fifteen years old, and he goes on the road with um, uh, an up and coming band um, played by the likes of uh, of Jason Lee um, and uh, others. And you've got Kate Hudson, who is I think um, a sort of a, a stone a stoner groupie. Um, and yeah, and and it's just it's the it's the kind of road trip story and 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 a kind of coming of age story, and um, it's it's. It's it's a lovely, beautiful, simple, great story about rock and roll excess and um, youth and um, you know they're, they're kind of summer vacation type thing and and ah it's it's been a long, long time since I've watched it, um, possibly uh, about eighteen years, <laughs> um, but it sticks in my mind and um, you know that there, there are. There are quotable moments. There are memorable scenes. Um, everybody in the bus singing uh, "Tiny Dancer" and um, "I Am a Golden God" jumping into a swimming pool. Um, it's 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 a wonderful film. So again, as with Network, this is one of those films that I haven't seen, even though, or or maybe partly because everyone tells me to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there comes a point where you're like, I've been told to see it so many times that I feel like I, I get have. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really need to to check it out, not least because it, it does look really fun. It looks like a great, interesting film. And it, I think if I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the main character is a, a teenage music journalist. Is that right? He's very young. Yeah, he's 15. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think yeah he he there's a nice little scene where he uh he tells the uh, I think it's I think it's the groupie that he's or one of the groupies that he's talking to and uh, uh and and um she's out of her mind um on on all of the drugs and she's you know how how old are you and he says I'm I'm 18 she says yeah me too actually I'm 17 yeah me too um and he finally reve- they have a conversation about truth and he finally reveals yeah I'm, I'm 15 <laughs> um and it's yeah his mum is um Oh, she's a great actor, and I always forget um, her name, but she's in lots of good things. And she's just this... Uh, I think she might be a single mum, and she's she she gives her son just enough rope um, to go and have this adventure, but will also turn up at gigs and scream at the top of her voice outside, out of the car window, don't take any drugs! <laughs> um, it's oh, it's lovely. It's a lovely film. Oh, well, I definitely will definitely will check it out and, 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 and finally get around to watching it because... Uh, <laughs> Everyone, I everyone whose opinion I I respect tells me that I will. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I love it. Yeah. Um, what is uh, what's your number five? So my number five, I think I've previewed <laughs> a mm. couple of times, but I'm I'm going to go with the post. Mm-hmm. Now there were a couple of well, I hope we're, I hope we're doing a an, a, an, a highly commended list because there were a lot of mm-hmm. films I wanted to put in my number five slot that I left out. Yeah. One in particular, which I'll come to, um, but it had to be the post because. Um, well, first of all, I I absolutely love so the main kind of center point of the post is Catherine Graham. Um, mm-hmm. Catherine Graham was the the publisher of the Washington Post newspaper at the time. Um, I would strongly recommend anybody listening to the sound of my voice now go find her autobiography, Personal History, which is 
absolutely fascinating. Mm. Um, and she's an unusual person to be at the center of a story about journalism because her life story is that she 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 was she was born into privilege. She was the kind of pampered son of a wealthy family who was the owner who were the owners of the Post newspaper, and she was never expected to do anything with her life. Basically, she was supposed to marry, which she did. Marry the man who then became who then became the publisher of the Post, took it over, kind of instead of the family handing the business on to her, they handed it on to her husband, right? Mm. And then she was perfectly happy with that. And then he died. She becomes the publisher. All of this happens before the movie starts. Right. But so he's he's died. Now she's the publisher of this newspaper and she feels like she's totally out of her depth. Now, when the film starts, she's she's in the process of um trying to secure investment for the post. And so she's trying to make a business argument about the newspaper, which is why what eventually happens in the movie, which is that the Post makes the decision to publish the Pentagon Papers, this series of confidential documents that revealed what was happening um, behind the scenes during the planning of the Viet- towards the Vietnam War. It was a very big business risk for her, especially at that exact moment, because, um, you know, she was trying to get this investment in and she just needed, like everybody was telling her, just play it safe, play it safe, just get through this. This is the worst time in the world to do something scary. And she finds the courage to just say, let's just do it. And I think it's a story about kind of becoming more than you think you can be, right? And and finding your voice and finding your feet for a, a woman of her age and class and and um and situation. So she's at the heart of it. And then you've got kind of all these other people doing amazing work all around it. So it just hangs together in it a really beautiful way. I love this film. I think it's been um not a lot of people saw it, and I think uh, more people should because it's it's just wonderful. There's so much going on. It's in that sort of spot between I think Spielberg because I, I, I will admit to, to not having seen this one either and this is I think this is the one I want to check out the most if I'm honest um, because it's got such a it, it's got a, a great cast full of people that I really really like uh, from you know Bob Odenkirk and um, yeah. Tom Hanks uh, Alison Brie I mean obviously you've got your Hanks but you know David <laughs> Cross uh, yeah I mean who uh, watch watch her for watch her days um, but I think. Yeah, it's it's in that that sort of that Spielberg period where it, it it's sort of one for the studio and one for me. You know, it's a, a bit like the um, the film that he made with Mark. Um, oh, I'm gonna forget his name. Uh, but the uh, Bridge of Spies. It, it's it's sort of a, a much quieter film than the big blockbusters. Um, but when you actually take the time to sit down and watch, you, they're they're thoroughly wonderful because he brings all of his. Um, great storytelling ability, but to a much tighter um, it's sort of it's, it's reined in tighter, and the stakes aren't you know the the entire world, but it, it it's it's as gripping and and um, yeah, so it's it's a uh, it's one that I I'm very much looking forward to to watching. Yeah, it's I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a, it's a fabulous film, and there's a lot. There's a lot of levels on which it works. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really interesting about it is because it was, even though it was made much more recently than All the President's Men, which happened back in, kind of was filmed back in the 70s when the events were current, it was made much more recently, just a couple of years ago. But it almost works as a, a prequel. You could watch them back to back because it's the story of how the Washington Post became the newspaper that later broke the Nixon story. Um, because at the time... You know, the pay, the post was always a great paper, but at the time it was more of a 
a, um, a city paper, effectively. It was more of a, you know, this is the kind of the local paper for the Washington, D.C. area. Yep. And it became this kind of more crusading journalist, national, breaking big national stories paper because Catherine Graham and her, you know, her um, editor, Bill, um, Bill, uh, Ben Bradley, played by Tom Hanks in this film, um, they kind of found their rhythm together they found the kind of the ways of working that allowed them to be the the newspaper that then could could break watergate so um it, it, it they make a nice companion piece to each other mm-hmm. and again fits our fix our our nixon theme absolutely um yes uh so i've got two possibles to choose from um and i'm aware that there is there is now no chance of overlap, which I think is interesting uh, that we haven't overlapped at all. Uh, well, actually, yes, we have. I guess we have on uh, Frost Nixon, uh, but that was a that was a possibility for you. Yeah. Um, but I've got a choice between. So I'll let you pick to see which one we we talk about. Zodiac versus Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, let's go with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because mm. that was on my that's on my highly commended list. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, my, my um, I had a couple of friends who who sort of sat me down and made me watch this uh, a few years ago. They were just like, "Shut up, you've got to watch this," um, because one of my my dear friends is a huge uh, Hunter S. Thompson fan um, and uh, really venerates his style of journalism, his style of writing, and. Um, you know, it's not that much about journalism, really. It's about two people. <laughs> it's about Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro um, in a car, uh, fueled by drugs and alcohol, um, and weird moments in casinos where uh, you you take all of the drugs and then um, you, you you have a moment. Uh, they are uh, quote unquote in search of the American dream. Um, in a in a uh, I can't remember what the car is now, but um, yeah, it's uh, it is a psychedelic trip of a film and it's one of those you've just got to sort of go with it um and and kind of not bring any expectations um you've just got to sort of experience it for the for the brief period that it's on am i right too that it's directed by terry gilliam yes yes it is so a very good fit of filmmaker and subject there very much (laughs) yeah and it is it is pretty it's pretty gilliam (laughs) yeah it's super gilliam yeah as films go you never would have imagined that terry gilliam could make a non-fiction film like a film based Mm. on real life so to speak and have it still be a terry gilliam film but you know hundreds thompson allows for that yeah i think yeah that's the only way that that could be possible (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 a fascinating film i think you know and it, it was on my short list because i love you know as you were saying i'm not sure if it's about journalism well it is really because hunter s thompson reinvented a particular type of journalism right there's a type of journalism that is um kind of gonzo journalism as he calls it that 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 does something different than I'm going to write down all of the reporting and the facts behind this. And it kind of just goes, I'm going to capture the feeling of this thing and I'm going to capture it by immersing myself in it in ways that reflect me. And yeah. you see this I am more part in, of the story. I am part of the story. Exactly. I'm, I'm in the heart of this and I'm going to react yeah. to things the way that I do. And, and this is a style of journalism you see much more in, in newspaper, long form coverage, um, newspaper features and, and Hadress Johnson kind of invented it. I mean, he made it up yeah. and, and now it's, a major a major kind of part of the journalistic landscape so like i feel like i'm turning something that's totally insane into something that's like well here's an interesting academic study and how journalism works but um but there is a there is a part of the world of journalism that 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 film captures really nicely um and it's also just 
really crazy. <laughs> it is. It is, and it does, and I think I think what what you point out is is absolutely is absolutely the case. I mean, he uh, that that type of journalism. I think people have have battled over its validity for for a while, and I think more and more people accept that that is a uh, a really valid um, way to to journalise. Um, because it's 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 almost that thing of um, by observing an experiment you you change it, and so um, you know don't pretend that you being here doesn't change what happens around you and and make that observation part of your part of your writing and uh and i can see why um my friend who i've been trying to get on the podcast for a while uh why hunter s thompson means what he means um to him and and to so many others because it opens your if you are if you are a creative writer if you write creatively then that that kind of world opens opens doors and 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 i think shows you what is possible and what is allowed (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fascinating film, and and all the more fascinating, I think, as a Terry Gilliam fan, he doesn't make very many movies, so no. so you kind of have to have to spend more time with the ones he does make. So, um, you know, I have I haven't watched Fear and Loathing, um, kind of again after watching it the first time, but it, it you know you can think back on it and be like, hang on, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> and I even I even find. The Vegas film is almost like a little genre in itself, right? Mm. And it, it kind of feels like, I think, tell me if you think I'm going totally off piece here, but there's that, what is it? Oh, what's that series? There's a series of films about guys who go to Vegas and um, there's two of them. The Oh, they're, they're more recent comedies, slapstick comedies starring Zach, Zach Gal- Galifianakis. Yes. And what's the, what's it called? The something. Oh, oh, no, oh, The Hangover. The Hangover, thank you, yes. Yeah. The Hangover is kind of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for the mainstream audience, right? <laughs> am, am, am I crazy? Like, it's kind of, that's what they're doing, right? Like, here's here's yeah. the crazy stuff that happened to us in Vegas. Yeah. You just take the journalism piece out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and yeah, it's slightly sanded down and sanitized to a degree. <laughs> yeah. And it's much more about booze that, and sex than it is about the um, drugs. Just- yeah. No, they Hollywood they Hollywoodized, but the core idea that we go to Vegas and crazy shit happens to us is there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What happens in Vegas? Dot dot dot. <laughs> um, I met someone who who uh, she's now she's also a, a, an American expat, um, and she was from Las Vegas, and I was just like. That, no, no one's from Las Vegas. You go to Las Vegas. You don't come from Las Vegas. That's silly. Nobody lives in Las Vegas. <laughs> Nobody was born there. <laughs> well, it's probably a bit like I have a friend uh, who comes from New Orleans, and I think she and I had a conversation about a very similar thing. She's like, if you grow up in a place like that, mm. you 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 either will adapt, like you will learn to regulate yourself, or you will die. Because mm. you know, Vegas and New Orleans, in some respects, are both places where tourists come to binge. Yeah, and if you do that, you'll if you live there and grow up with it, you'll either die young yeah. or you'll get really good at coping <laughs> <laughs> i actually thought you were gonna say really good at cocaine <laughs> really good at cocaine you will, yeah. you will learn to absorb your drugs you know absolutely, or, or absolutely. your booze or whatever it is like you'll just get it so uh so this is karen um i'm not gonna keep you uh for very long just give you a bit of a heads up about a few things a couple of changes a couple of things going away um i'm gonna uh, put the um newsletter and the membership thing aside for now uh just so that i can focus on making um more fun and uh interesting 
uh, and compelling episodes. That's that's the idea. This whole thing is about having really interesting, kind of joyful conversations with people and exploring new things and learning new things and finding new things to love. You know what I mean? Like finding those things. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I never knew about this thing. You know, I've I've discovered so many things that I've loved through accidental uh, stuff that I've picked up through podcasts or whatever. So to be able to to contribute to that feels really cool so that's what i want to focus on just making a really cool show um and i hope you'll stay um with me for that so all i will do is uh for, for some sort of um call to action i will just ask uh if you haven't already would you consider leaving a, a review on apple podcasts it does help um there is often conflicting evidence about about that but you don't need to know that um it's uh, it's getting a bit a bit inside baseball, but if if you would be so kind as to give us a uh, a rating, uh, especially um, and a review, that will uh, that will help. And you know, just it makes me feel nice to know that uh, people like the show. So um, you can do that. You can follow the links uh, on listenvpod.com uh, or you can search for the show in Apple Podcasts and stuff. Uh, and if you want to get show notes and links to everything we've discussed, uh, then you will find those at listenvpod.com, but also in your podcast app of choice. There's links to where you can find the films on IMDb and get extra information, all that kind of stuff. So as ever, they're always they're, they're there and they will always be there Um Incidentally, we have chapter marks and stuff like that. So if you ever want to get back to a particular discussion, you've got those options there. And I'm always going to keep keep doing that. So listenvypod.com for all the links and the things. Uh, let us get back to the episode then where we uh, it, it is now our job to finalise our list of top five journalism films. We now have a, a very important uh, job that um, we, we we must attend to, and, and that is to combine our lists. Mm. Um. Well, so we, we've got to see. So you've got Spotlight, His Girl Friday, uh, Good Night and Good Luck, All the President's Men, and The Post. Um, I've got Network, uh, Dragon Tattoo, Frost Nixon, which I feel like we've got to we've got to add to the list since it was uh, it was also on your list. Uh, Almost Famous and Fear and Loathing. Um, I think I feel like we we've really got to talk about Fear and Loathing being being maybe f- further down on the list because of, of how much we've got to say about uh, certainly about um, Hunter S. Thompson, uh, and I want to put the post quite high up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what can I can I make my pitch for Spotlight? Mm. I, I still want Spotlight in there. I love that yeah. film so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we do Spotlight and the post, and then Fear and Loathing, and um, um and, and frost nixon so then we've got four so then we've got a fifth one uh how do we like in this order then see what we think about this um if we go number five frost nixon four fear and loathing number three the post number two spotlight and number one network hmm what do you feel mm. about that feel free to feel free to change to swap if we can switch and well i i don't want to dis network because i haven't actually seen it yeah 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 that's right <laughs> but, but i kind of want to put one of uh, one of the other ones first I'll tell you what which which one um can we do spotlight first and then yeah. and then the rest of it's fine absolutely all right lovely uh well in that case then it's an interesting list of films we've got there yes uh, it is so. Uh, yeah, from five to one again. Uh, Frost, Nixon, Fear and Loathing, The Post, Network, and Spotlight. Karen Robinson, do you consent to this list? I do. Oh, then we have an accord. <laughs> can I do some? Can I do some highly commended as well? Yes, please, please, please do. Um, because one thing I was one of the films that I was I was devastated not to find space for in my list um, is a crazy film by Charlie Kaufman called Adaptation. 
Oh wow! Um, which is a which is a a very strange film, as all Charlie Coughlin's films are about an, a filmmaker's attempt to adapt um, an article by Susan Orlean in the New Yorker about somebody who steals orchids. Wow! And it's just such a strange film, and it's such a strange film about like the journalism process and it worked like it's really interesting on a meta level too because susan orlean hated the film because they made stuff up about her like deliberately they <laughs> oh, weren't no. supposed to believe like they, they right. made up the storyline that she was having an affair with this guy and they were like committing crimes together because and it's just like everything about it makes just blows out all <laughs> conceptions of what how journalism actually works but in ways that kind of probe the story of how you susan early and herself the, the the woman that it's about who who hated it at first then went and saw it and she's like actually this is kind of good because what she said they did that got to the was they got to the heart of what she does feel is true to herself as a journalist, which is the way she becomes obsessed with her subject and the mm. way that she, like, it's almost like you're falling in love. Like, all you think about is your story and the fascination you have with the things you're learning and the world that you're in. So um, I think there's a lot of, yeah, it's just, a, there's there's a very, very bizarre aspect of journalism that's covered off on that. That's uh, uh, that's that's a that's a really interesting one. I've yeah. not heard of it at all. Oh, go look for it. You'll mm. you'll love it. It's a 2002 film starring starring Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and uh, um, Streep again. Directed by Spark, but directed by Spike Jones. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah. So it's fascinating, fascinating film. Um, and then Citizen Kane is not yeah. on our list anywhere. <laughs> no. Notable by by its absence. Notable by its absence. Um, and, you know, obviously one of the greatest films of all time, but I left it off my list because I didn't feel like it was one of the great films about journalism, even yeah. though it's about journalism and it's a great film, if you see <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, well, I've got... Uh, so we talked... Um, Zodiac was one, one, one of my options. Yep. Uh, another uh, David Fincher. Um, not one of my favourites of his, but I think uh, a, a, good, a good story and well told. Uh, Frank... Um, I don't know if you are familiar with this. Um, Frank is the story of something very, very peculiarly British, um, and it's uh, it was sort of it was it was kind of Americanized and, and uh, well entirely Americanized because it, it became about an American person called Frank. Uh, but it's based <laughs> on a real life um, sort of surrealist performer uh, called Frank Sidebottom, who mm. used to perform with a giant fiberglass head uh, and and made sort of unlikable music. Um, and uh, I've got a friend who is screaming at his uh, radio, uh, or his, his um, audio player at the moment for, for that characterization. But it was a, um, a John... Um, What's the oh god the journalist's name John Ronson? It was a John Ronson book, uh, which then got got made into a film and and sort of fictionalized and, and it's very different, but a very interesting film and um, uh, d- deep in the hearts of, of many people who who have a, a, a real affection for the character of Frank Sidebottom. Oh, that sounds great! I love John Ronson books, so I I never heard of that. I will look for that. Yeah, it's um, he knocked around with him for for a while, um, and 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 wrote about uh, some of his adventures and things, and, and and that's where it comes from, um, and and yeah, I think, I think the book is very different, um, as as has been the case with some of his some of the films, uh, um, but it's it's uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, uh, then there's uh, it's a little a little film called Anchorman, which you know oh, is yeah. worth a little mention, <laughs> of course. Um, also Nightcrawler. 
Right, yeah. Uh, 20, what's that, 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so uh, those those are sort of my, my main uh, notable uh, honourable mentions. Um so before we uh, before we depart, um, I, I want you to tell me um, everything you possibly can, please, about primarily twenty twenty. Okay, well, primarily twenty twenty is I mentioned at the beginning that I I work in politics, or at least I have an interest in politics. Um, uh, primarily twenty twenty is my weekly podcast. Uh, it goes out every Friday about the U.S. Democratic primary um, in the presidential election. Um, I'm a Democratic Party activist and uh, work with um, Democrats Abroad, which is a, a political party organization. Um, but um, the podcast is my own personal deep dive into the issues, um, the personalities, the kind of the spirit behind how people are making their choices in this primary election where um, it's fascinating. We started from like 26 candidates. We've whittled it down to I think we're now about 14 candidates. It's still a lot of candidates. <laughs> one of them is going to be our nominee. And please, God, uh, one of them will be will be president. Um, <laughs> but we have as a party, we have a lot of questions to ask ourselves you know questions about you know how how pragmatic we want to be questions about how we're going to win back the sort of especially kind of upper midwestern voters that we lost um in 2016 questions about how we're going to deal with the donald trumpiness of it all <laughs> how, how how much we're going to be able to focus on kind of the issues that we care about and the messages that we want to get out in a world where you know the president of the united states is committing crimes and um going on his Twitter feed and and attacking people in um, to quite gross and disgusting ways. So it's, you know, it's a difficult time to to be in politics. And I think it's a difficult, it's a difficult kind of phase for the party. But um, I find it really helpful for me and I, hopefully helpful for my listeners to spend, you know, some time each week talking to people. I've talked to kind of political pollsters. I've talked to um, experts in deep diving on policy issues. We've talked a lot about kind of the rising, um, the rising changes in the, in the, in how the right wing is adapting, is adapting its tactics to, um, to the modern world. We've talked about this kind of progressive versus moderate question of, you know, what, to what extent are we prioritizing candidates that have more progressive ideas? To what extent are we prioritizing candidates that we think have the best chance of winning? What does electability even mean anyway? Um, so there's a lot of big questions. And um, each week I, I take a different aspect of it and we we dive in. Uh, that is that is wonderful. Um, and that is at uh, anchor.fm slash primarily. Good URL. Yeah. Primarily um, 2020. There you go. Uh, in in the podcast apps and um, searchable and it, it, yes, links are in the show notes. Um, Karen, this has been this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, um, well for giving me lots of homework. <laughs> <laughs> I too have some films I need to check yeah. out. Now. I'm excited. I love this stuff. Fantastic. Uh, well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. 